0: My first semester, I had this art history class where I wrote a very long paper on how modern furniture design was used in the designing of like Sears furniture. So I was looking at a lot of like vintage catalogs and thinking about like, you know, in different like socioeconomic classes, like how design is still important and started just looking at furniture and thinking about my work and like thinking about like pots as design and function and nothing else. And that kind of led me to thinking about like just line and color and form and like where there could be shadows or open spaces or cutouts, and then how all of those things can come together and make like a table setting
1: Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 215th episode, I'm very excited to be joined by Carrie Woolsey, who is a ceramic artist that explores functional wear as well as installations, all dealing with domestic objects from the everyday, things around your house, things that you might take for granted. And of course, we're going to break that down in detail, how she explores it in her work, and of course, some of her trajectories, her background, and of course where she's currently residing at the Aramont School of Arts and Crafts in Gatlinburg, Tennessee where she's just wrapping up a residency, and exhibition that runs through May 4th. Again, we'll get to that a bit later. I would like to note real quick that Carrie was selected as one of Studio Break's 2018 competition winners in the MFA category. Every spring we have a student competition open to all current and graduating MFA, MA, and BFA, BA candidates so if you are currently enrolled in an undergraduate graduate program you should definitely apply it's quite simple you submit a small fee a website link or a pdf with 10 images and an artist statement send it off in an email and you are done this year's juror will be none other than erica behess from i like your work podcast so she'll be reviewing undergraduate and graduate applications and three winners from each of those categories will be featured on studio break to share your work as well as a bit of your background in one of these interviews so if you want to apply go to StudyBreak.com and apply today and of course if you know other students or peers that should apply please help spread the word we'd really appreciate it of course and erica wants as many applicants to review as possible If you're not sure what Studio Break is all about, visit studiobreak.com. You'll find a big archive of interviews there. Again, each of our posts have images of the artist's work, links to their websites, and these interviews, which you can listen to right there on studiobreak.com in the default player, or just click that iTunes hyperlink, and then you subscribe to the podcast, and then you've always got something to listen to while you're working away in the studio. You can find us in a number of social media formats, so be sure and like our Facebook page, on Twitter at Studio Break, and of course on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. You'll also notice there's a highlight there for the student competition to make it easy to find more information, so be sure and follow us there. With that out of the way, here's our interview with Carrie Woolsey. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Carrie Woolsey. How are you this afternoon?
0: I'm pretty good. How are you?
1: Excellent, excellent. As I confess to you, I somehow added salt to my tea. With that correction made, I'm, I'm ready. So it's great to finally have you on. Obviously, you were one of our uh, MFA winners from 2018 and, you know, finally tracked you down. You're currently in residency, I believe. Is that correct?
0: Yes, uh, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee at Arrowmont School of Arts and Crafts.
1: Right, right. And you're wrapping up there. You're going to have a closing exhibition of some kind. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, our exhibition is up until I believe the first week of May, me and four other artists and residents here, and we share the main gallery space on campus. We have a reception coming up soon in April, which is exciting, yeah.
1: Well, again, I can't wait to find out more. Again, it's always interesting to kind of, you know, meet new artists and especially kind of dive into to where they started and all that wonderful background stuff. Where are you from originally? Are you from Florida then, I'm guessing, just based on your schools? But I have no idea.
0: I am. I'm from South Florida and Boca Raton. Okay. Uh, but I, So I haven't lived there for about five years, but I still kind of think of it fondly.
1: <laughs> and were you uh, a creative child? Did you have a lot of, uh, you know, building experience and all sorts of uh, creative time or what?
0: A little bit. Uh, I was really, it sounds silly to say, I was really interested in like beads and making friendship bracelets. And that kind of consumed my entire childhood (laughs) until I got into, you know, more serious art classes in school.
1: Sure. So, so maybe a little bit of a typical kind of maker experience and I'm always curious too because sometimes people have like really formal educations even if it's um, you know taking a art center class of some kind was it something where you kind of started you know taking art classes in like you know grade school high school thinking like oh this is this is for me or
0: yeah I guess probably in middle school is when I just liked art classes and then in high school I was really lucky to have very supportive art teachers and we had, like, dedicated ceramics classes, which definitely, you know, pushed me towards ceramics at a young age. Uh, and I had um, two teachers one year submit my work to, like, a scholastics art and writing competition. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to New York City when I was, like, 16 to explore uh, jobs in the art field. And I think without that experience, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it as long as I did.
1: Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, but, you know, you think of, like, a city like Chicago as, oh, it's a big city. New York is pretty pretty uh, monstrous, you know?
0: It was overwhelming. And even to look back on it now, like, some of the tours that we got to go on, like, I went behind the scenes in the Guggenheim and, you know, just kind of didn't realize at the time that, like, not every other 16-year-old was having this experience. Right. <laughs> and now looking back, I'm like, that was really cool. But it also, I mean, it exposed me to the art world, but it also exposed my parents to the art world. Mm -hmm. They're handy and crafty, but not really uh, art related. So to have them, you know, watch me discover serious art jobs for later in life really helped them to be as supportive um, as they've come to be.
1: Yeah, I would imagine that's a little bit better than like, I just want to make cartoons or animation or something and not having a real tangible sense of it when you you know, are walking around and, you know, seeing all these paintings in storage, there's kind of like this reality that like, oh, this is like a real, people do this for a living, you know, instead of just some ethereal thing.
0: Yeah, that's very true. And they kind of, you know, they were asking people on the tours, like, do you have an art degree? And <laughs> I'm really, you know, generous of, you know, their their curiosity I've really benefited from. But
1: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So it sounds like, again, that was a nice experience to kind of catapult you forward. I mean, was that something then, you know, I think you had maybe mentioned some earlier ceramics classes. Did you have ceramics classes in high school that kind of led you thinking specifically to that medium?
0: I did. So I, I had ceramics and like black and white photography in high school, and I loved them both kind of equally. And, you know, I had, I didn't really know why or what I wanted to do with it just that like I wanted to keep taking those classes mm-hmm. and then when I was you know looking at colleges it was like well they have more ceramics than uh you know darkroom photography so uh, I just kept going with that It was kind of just by chance sure sure yeah.
1: So so where did you wind up going to study you know for for school then for an undergrad?
0: Well I, I finished out my degree at um, Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton. I didn't start there originally. I was at uh, Florida State University, but it happened to be a 2008 budget crisis mm-hmm. and a lot of the money got cut and I ended up having to transfer school so I could finish out my degree on time which ended up being a really good move for me. And it was, you know, where my parents lived also, which was helpful. Sure. I mean, I always was pretty stubborn about being a ceramics major, but I wandered a little bit in undergrad and really loved like literature classes and surprisingly like small business classes and accounting and finance. And Mm -hmm. I was just a little all over the place until... I finished my degree in ceramics.
1: Well, so that seems a little bit like there's a practical side of it too. I mean, again, it's one of the things that people always love to, it's so cliche to say, but you know, like, how are you going to make a living at this? You know, I would imagine hopefully that kind of maybe you think about it relative to, you know, how you could do it maybe with ceramics or, you know, some other kind of art form.
0: Definitely. And yeah, as a potter too, kind of thinking of myself as my own small business I wanted those skills and to understand the business side of it a little bit better. Also during my time in undergrad, I had a part-time job at a chocolate store Mm -hmm. and I did a lot of the like small business books for that too and really enjoy that kind of like number crunching and you know, what materials do I need for the week if it's like clay or at that time it was like. How many pretzels do I need for chocolate covered pretzels this week? Mm-hmm. But those kind of problem solving things I really get into and, in a strange way, enjoy the number crunching.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, again, there's a practical side of it that I think, you know, mo- most artists don't think about until it's like, you know years past where you're like oh that could be that could have been helpful what kind of work were you kind of interested in making at the time was it you know pretty uh typical in terms of like vessel kind of forms or were there other interests in terms of you know more of the kind of like later i guess installation based explorations i mean again it could kind of be anywhere depending on what kind of a school i would imagine you go to i would imagine a lot of it is like about technique exploration at the time but
0: Yeah, it was a lot of technique. Some of the basis of the ideas behind my work has always remained constant. But I, you know, I was working with like porcelain clay and I was throwing on the wheel and adding lots of like narrative elements to the surfaces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of testing myself like as a potter, if that was a thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Sure. Yeah, I'm kind of pushing myself as much as possible as I could in the studio and in the end uh, having a lot of ceramic failures constantly, which is kind of the best way to learn.
1: And was that earlier influence of photography, was that something that kind of also got explored or were there other areas that you were kind of also pulling from? Again, I know I hate to ask about, you know, other maybe 2D areas or anything, but it's always just so interesting, um, you know, what other things kind of influence uh, artists, you know?
0: Yeah, maybe the imagery from photography. To be honest, I since I was eighteen, I don't think I've like picked up a camera, <laughs> other than like documenting my work. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like cell phone camera stuff. But I was really interested in drawing on my pots and kind of developing my own visual language that way. Um, but. I mean, to be honest, it was a lot of it was from one professor who told me that drawings on pots aren't drawings, so I kept doing it because I wanted them to be drawings, and I didn't understand that the difference between drawing on paper and drawing on clay
1: in terms of kind of like thinking about that experience, I mean especially in towards the end of it, I mean did you have some kind of like culminating you know exhibition or some kind of experience like that or
0: Yeah, we had a like a BFA show with everyone who was graduating. So I didn't I maybe had like three to five pieces in it. Um, But we had like a professional development class together and, you know, worked on that like packet of professional documents. And then the show was kind of the culmination
1: Well, so so what did you, what did you wind up doing afterwards? You know, again, I noticed a little bit of a, um, a gap, uh, so I'd imagine there might have been some adventure in there. I don't know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, so I kept working at the chocolate store. I don't know if that's like adventures in retail. (laughs) Sure. Because retail in South Florida is not anything anyone should ever experience. But I also, uh, was an assistant for one of my former ceramic professors, um, and it was, while she was pregnant with her second child. So I was really helping a lot of the studio work that, like, towards the end of her pregnancy, she just couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of just like mixing glazes and packing work to go to galleries, which is in terms of like learning experiences outside of school, that was, you know, one of the most ex- important experiences that I've had. But I, yeah, I kind of just floated around in my own studio practice for a little bit and wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do or what I needed to do to get to what I wanted to do.
1: Again, it's interesting to think about that earlier experience of visiting New York and kind of thinking about how people make a, a career out of this. And then to kind of really, you know, work in somebody's studio and kind of really see how that, you know, develops, you know, as as someone that obviously is like a practicing artist too. And, you know, you're just graduating, kind of doing that. I think that actually seems like a very good experience to kind of have considering, I mean, I, I worked at Hobby Lobby and, you know, was sullen over not getting into certain schools or something and going like, what do I do now? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, so what, what brought you back? I mean, was there a particular instance where you're like, you know, I want to take this to the next level and, and really explore, you know, ceramics in a, a deeper level or...
0: I got the opportunity to do this, like, solo show and workshop at a community ceramic studio in Vegas called Clay Arts Vegas. And I you know, was working, like, on my patio, and I would fire stuff up the potter that I worked for at her house. And I, I thought I loved the work I was making, and then I really ended up finding it, like, very laborious and, like, too time-intensive. And I wasn't interested in the ideas or the forms or the, you know— anything in the ceramics part of it so I did a post-baccalaureate year at University of Florida and kind of just like try to figure out my work again and if I wanted to continue doing this like in a professional setting or if I even like wanted to go to grad school mm-hmm. so I just yeah put kind of just moved to northern Florida and took some time to figure it out on my own which was I think a I mean, it was hard at the time, but I'm, I'm glad I did that because otherwise I think I would have given up.
1: <laughs> well, and I would I'd be curious too, because I mean, in that setting, I mean, it seems like there'd be a lot of people then that are kind of in that same boat, obviously, you know, that's one of the things that's great about school is, you know, you're around all these like-minded individuals and, you know, they kind of have these aspirations too. Is that something that kind of really also kind of encouraged you in terms of, you know, just thinking like, Oh, how am I going to really go after this? Or, you know, how are these other people exploring?
0: Yeah, I think so. And, yeah, kind of to see grad students in a program working on their own work was very, you know, influential to me. And, you know, just being in a critiquing environment again, which was I f- thought I wasn't really missing anything by not having uh, those types of dialogues after undergrad. And then once I was, you know, stagnant in the work I was making, realized, like, how important those conversations are. Mm-hmm. It was such a good experience to do that year. And I also I built a portfolio to apply to grad schools with, uh, which was if I hadn't have done that, I don't think I you know, would have had a choice in going to grad school.
1: But I, w- I would imagine, you know, since it's kind of a little bit more technical in terms of, you know, exploring um, in, in your undergraduate when you're kind of getting that post-baccalaureate. You know, you're starting to kind of develop more ideas in, in terms of thinking about what your work can do. Were there any like particular influences in terms of artists that you started looking at? And I'm, I'm sure that obviously gets followed up in graduate school. But again, I think it's interesting because, you know, as somebody that thinks of themselves now as a landscape painter, you know, I've went through so many transitions and I don't, I guess people might not even think I make landscape paintings. So I'm always just kind of curious what other kind of influences there are, you know, from an art wise to think about, you know, what you want to do.
0: I was looking at a lot of like contemporary ceramics and especially like how other um, potters use imagery on their work and like what elements are needed to like tell a story or if, you know, like does a drawing even tell a story, like those sort of things. And I, I mean, I think at that time most of my art history background had what I was interested in the most was like ancient art, like especially kind of like surface decorations of Asian ceramics. So Kind of, you know, seeing what influences in pots I could pick up on or not pick up on was kind of where I was at at that stage.
1: You cast a big net in terms of graduate schools or how did you, how did you wind up coming to SIUC Carbondale?
0: Wherever there was like programs with ceramic artists that were like active and showing their work.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like I was really interested in like having a professor that was like out there and, could talk a lot about contemporary ceramics and I was also really interested in funding in grad school because that I couldn't really make things work financially at that point. And once I started interviewing at grad schools and uh, went to Carbondale, kind of that like small town Midwestern feel Mm -hmm. was really great in contrast to my life in Florida, which is just like hectic and you know, traffic and, you know, having like a two minute commute to school really kind of won me over. Uh, But also meeting the professors there. I really wanted to work under Patty Chalmers. She has like a really great work ethic and shows a lot and has lots of different bodies of work and can talk about them effortlessly. And I really wanted to like tap into like her specific type of genius while I was in grad school.
1: The facilities too. I mean, for so many different types of processes in terms of, you know, like a foundry having glass blowing and, you know, just all of these various students there to kind of bounce ideas off of. It's it's pretty exciting to kind of have all of these new possibilities, I would imagine, you know?
0: Oh yeah. Especially in terms of ceramics, because it can be so insular of a community. I, I was never around like glass or metal, in undergrad. So to where the ceramic studios are on campus and Carbondale is, um, ceramics, glass, and metals are all together. And what I loved about that was at any time of day, there was at least one of us in each of the programs there, uh, and really kind of supporting each other and all having these like time intensive craft mediums really kind of made a different studio environment that I wasn't used to. I was just always used to having my clay people and that was it. And suddenly there was this like, you know, other thing happening around me.
1: Well, and and I'm assuming again, that as, as, as soon as you get there, there's always those challenges that faculty bring to your work in terms of changing things up. What was your earlier experiences like there? I mean, did you find yourself, you know, really thriving? Because a lot of people will go just directly there and then you know, it seems like they never miss a beat. And some people that for some reason that break in between in some ways, just kind of really fuels, I think like an ability to kind of keep creating since you've been doing it.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think I had that, the fuel to make stuff, but it was bad in the beginning. It was (laughs) not every critique was not good. And the work I was making was all over the place and not good. And it was just getting a lot of ideas out, I think. And um, and then the program was very supportive about it. That was like, you know, you don't, everything is an experiment. You don't have to make something that is going to be like sent away to a show tomorrow. You can just kind of figure out what you need to figure out in like a safe space. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it, the the first year, like anytime I left Carbondale, I didn't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's pretty typical of first year grad experiences. It's like a little like, what have I done to myself for three years until you you know, have that first, okay, critique. So,
1: well, when, when was that? I mean, what, what happened in in the work that you started kind of, you know, seeing, I don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel, like it's such a dire experience, you know, but I mean, you know, you start thinking about how you're going to slowly start formulating something that's going to be a thesis show, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, like one thing started clicking, but I, My first semester, I had this art history class where I wrote a very long paper on how modern furniture design was used in the designing of like Sears furniture. So I was looking at a lot of like vintage catalogs and thinking about like, you know, in different like socioeconomic classes, like how design is still important and started just looking at furniture and thinking about my work and like thinking about like pots as design and function and nothing else. And that kind of led me to thinking about like just line and color and form and like where there could be shadows or open spaces or cutouts and then how all of those things can come together and make like a table setting. And that was kind of like the first body of work that I made in grad school that felt like a real thing that I, Mm -hmm. you know, could talk about and was interested in and also was, you know, semi-successful glaze and kiln firings, which were another issue during grad school altogether.
1: Well, and again, I would imagine that's a a significant transition to, you know, to kind of go from, you know, making vessel forms or things that might be you know, kind of design based and functional to kind of thinking about them in, in pairings and clusters. And, you know, I know you also kind of explored some installation and, and work like that. How, how did the process unfold in terms of exploring how you could kind of push this a little
0: further, I guess? Yeah, it, it initially was just that I, I hadn't shown my work a lot in galleries. And so every critique I would try to set up like it was like a gallery install. And I just hated pots on pedestals and I still really just hate pots on pedestals so Mm it's like well this could be on a table or this could be on the wall and then once things were on the wall then it was like how do I get it back off the wall and not on a pedestal so that kind of spurred the installation aspect of my work Um, but I think also that kind of early grad school research about like furniture led me to think about domestic space and how we kind of move through our homes on a daily basis and there's like routines or kind of rituals that you do um, without even thinking about it and that's kind of mainly what the installations focus on.
1: Well and it's really interesting too because with the installation work again it's you start kind of seeing those little fragments you know or you see you know bits and pieces of things that you would associate them you know like within a, a living room or a kitchen or you know, any kind of domestic space. And then, you know, there's part of it that seems kind of almost fragmented, you know, or like isolated from what you would associate around it. But it kind of makes you, you know, think about those things. And I would imagine that's that's kind of like what you want your your viewer to start doing as well, I would assume.
0: Yeah, think about like kind of spaces and objects a little bit deeper. It's like a lot of things get overlooked or, you know, I think about this too when I have like a visitor in my home and they notice that one thing that you completely didn't look over and they point it out and it's super embarrassing. And you're like, oh yeah, that's a weird thing I do that, you know, I've never had to confront before in the social situation because mm-hmm. it's usually just me by myself. <laughs> and so I started thinking about those things like during my thesis work and just kind of even like simple things like where I would leave my car keys in my house uh, as opposed to like where my friends would leave their car keys in their houses and those little details then like during the opening of my show was what people noticed the most. And which at the time, like I loved, but then as I thought about it more, it was like, well, you know, if they're only noticing these small little details and I don't have to do these huge scenes of objects that take, you know, weeks to make, I can just kind of make that one moment, which is kind of where I'm trying to go with it now.
1: Well, and it's interesting too, because there's, Kind of like this um you know it's taking something like a form that you think of maybe that people will utilize you know pieces like these blinds with the coffee mug or you know shelving units, um, some that sag, so there's also kind of like a playfulness to it too, in terms of you know recognizing that they're that they're clay form
0: objects, yeah, and like a little bit of an awkward to awkwardness to it is kind of what I try to focus on and like fragility and just thinking about all of those things in your home that you you know you take for granted and then you break your favorite mug and it's like devastating um (laughs) so I, I try to kind of think of those moments as like I mean I I know like I move through the world very clumsily and have these things that you know like I'll love something until I just like completely knock it off the table or like lose a book that I'm in the middle of reading so i Yeah, kind of echo those sentiments through like the sagging of shelves and the like forms made out of paper or fabric.
1: Well, and is that something, too, that you're kind of exploring in terms of like any kind of preliminary work? Are you kind of compiling all these objects and then just, you know, trying them out in different, you know, tables or environments. Um, what's the, the editing process like to think about more of like a, a cluster or one of these installations?
0: Yeah. I, I try to kind of think about like one object first, like the main piece of my thesis show was like this kitchen sink with this, the piling of dishes on top. And I tend to think about objects that I have. So the sink is kind of loosely based off the sink that was in my apartment during grad school in Carbondale. Mm-hmm. Like I would enjoy like having friends over for dinner so much. Cause I, you know, I live by myself and grad school schedule can be you know, so tiring that just then having this meal together and then, you know, it was so great. And then after everyone leaves and there's all these dishes left, it's like, you know, like why did I do this to myself? <laughs> but, um, so I kind of had this, you know, like love, hate relationship with, this tiny kitchen I had. Uh, So I kind of, I'll start with the most important object that I want to make out of ceramics and then kind of go from there.
1: Well, and obviously, you know, with the, with the way that something like a kitchen is going to work, obviously there's going to be all the things that you associate with the kitchen. I know that, you know, in in one of the pieces, I believe I saw, you know, things like a French press and, you know, a a bag of coffee or something that looked like a bag of coffee, you know, Mm Mm-hmm. So there's kind of, again, like this real playfulness in terms of some of the objects that you wind up kind of experimenting with.
0: Yeah. And that that also has kind of pushed me to work in other mediums um, or like what mediums can I mimic my ceramic sensibilities with or what mediums can I then mimic out of clay? And like I've made several French presses, which they, none of them work, which is <laughs> silly. And I, you know, I then have to buy a French press to use. Um, like on Amazon all the time. Sure. <laughs> well, most of my kind of objects that I like love from childhood are like Tupperware things, right? Like I didn't really have like handmade pots in my house or even very nice, you know, sets of china. And it was, I try to kind of just think of those objects that are like, they're so commonplace and you don't think anything of it, but I would like only use this one orange Tupperware bowl to eat out of you know, for years when I was a kid, and that's that's something that has kind of carried on like my uh like specificness about the objects that I use. <laughs> Does it totally matter if it's handmade or not it could just be something I really like for some odd reason
1: well, and it seems like there's again like like I was kind of describing like a little bit of a playfulness, but then you know it's it, again it's something that you know is stylized in a way where it's maybe at like a distance something that you kind of want to recognize as being like the real thing. And then as you kind of approach it, you're going to recognize that it's, that it's more handmade or, you know, especially if you're not familiar with the work. So there's a real sense of like playfulness in, in terms of the way that it's, you know, going to maybe change the viewer's anticipation of something, you know?
0: Yeah. It's lots of like stand-ins for real objects and I mean, playful, but also sometimes to just kind of confuse the viewer a little bit to be like, well, what is that thing made out of? This looks like clay and what is, this other part of it, um, which I kind of find interesting.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I really like also the, there's a stack of crates that I think is really, really kind of fun too. Relative to height too. I mean, a lot of these pieces are actually, they seem like they're a little bit, you know, larger too.
0: And I think that stack of crates, I want to say it stood maybe like five or six feet tall. It was just about as tall as I am. So I'd say yeah, maybe like five, eight or so. And it was they there, the space is compressed, so they're not square. They're very, like, rectangular, like at those, um, like, they're for, like, maybe record, specifically record crates. Have you ever seen those? are kind of compressed space. Sure. They they were stacked, and, I mean, I wasn't really scared of them falling over during my thesis show, but everyone else was very scared of it, To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of enjoy that aspect of it, too. Like, it was secured, but it looks very precarious. It gives you that feeling of opening a closet and going like, oh, no, I'm not going to clean that out today. <laughs> just slamming the door immediately.
1: Well, and I'm curious, too, like, you know, we've talked a little bit like, you know, design. I don't know. There's like a weird a familiarity, you know, in terms of seeing it like the way that some of them I start thinking of like these things that I'll see it like an Ikea visit or something, you know, um, in terms of just like the staging of it, you know.
0: Yeah, I kind of go back and forth sometimes like how much I want it to be like a store window or how much I want it to be like a catalog and uh definitely those things in like a catalog setting are like set up so you want to buy them and I kind of try to think of it as like if I mean, I made them so they are my personal possessions, but if they were my real personal possessions like how I would position them in my own home.
1: So wrapping up that experience there, what did you did you wind up knowing that you're going to be, you know, already kind of moving on towards a, a residency or what was the plans after afterwards, I guess?
0: Yeah, I, I wanted a residency and I I really just, you know, I needed some time to sit with that body of work and figure out like where I could take it on my own after school. Um, And I needed a studio space, you know, kind of like right away. And that's kind of what made Aromont so appealing to me is it's kind of this live work environment. There's lots of uh, week long workshops happening in the summer and the fall. So there's artists coming in and out and very active and engaging that way. But I could also, you know, still have a private studio space and really lots of uninterrupted time to work on my work and kind of try to figure it out using the skills I learned in grad school.
1: Are you kind of always kind of you know, going back and forth between maybe, you know, more of like your, your mugs or vessel forms or, you know, things that might almost kind of essentially be, you know, something that's more, you know, functional in terms of like saleable versus, you know, installation kind of based work or what's, what's the relationship like that now, I guess.
0: It's always been something that, I mean, especially during grad school, kind of, I wanted the two bodies of work to work together together in the same way. And like, they, they do kind of have the same ideas behind them. I, I mean, functional pots are you know, definitely more drawn to like commercial aspects of selling my work. And they still, I mean, I'm still trying to work out a way that they can exist together and making like kind of smaller still life pairings. But for the most part, I'll make installations when I have like a specific place to show them. Mm -hmm. which here there's been lots of opportunities to exhibit my work, which has been good. And I kind of go back and forth between the functional pots and the installations. And like, I think that they (laughs) give me ideas for the next project. Like it, you know, it kind of gives my mind a break about the installations when I'm working on pots and vice versa. Um, So now like just kind of having our show up for a few weeks, I'm like in production mode again with pots and I have, so many ideas that I want to explore in functional work that I have, you know, no ideas I want to explore right now in installation work. Mm-hmm. But as I kind of wrap up this cycle, I, yeah, it's kind of like this like ebb and flow of thinking and building up ideas in different ways. Because it always, you know, something, just time in the studio sparks an idea for something else later.
1: Well, and again, it's, it's interesting too because, you know, while the installations might be maybe just slightly more expansive i still really love all these again it almost kind of looks like you know these really functional kind of displays but then they're so slick in terms of some of the you know color relationships and you know i would imagine is it similar to kind of like what you described before in terms of having like a particular object that you kind of start with and then you're kind of adding other materials and and things to it to kind of have that display
0: it definitely, like, we'll start with a specific thing. I have, like, a couple new pieces that they kind of go off that composition idea and they they reference a little bit more, like, Dutch still life paintings and thinking about, like, what objects, uh, like, have metaphors associated with them or, like, fruits and vegetables and things like that. But it's the smaller, like, vignettes kind of they give me more room to play with color and texture and line and like I can make something for a smaller scene that you know I don't have to make in like my production work uh which is you know helps with like the idea of generation and you know not feeling kind of like stuck in any box
1: well and I'm especially curious you know relative to you know your background and and some of your experiences um you know with with business I mean, is that something that's been helpful in terms of kind of transitioning from, you know, student back to, you know, being out there and, and you know, pursuing, you know, getting your getting your work, you know, kind of out there and in people's homes?
0: Yeah, it's just thinking about like expenses to make work and then what I need to sell things for and also kind of keeping track of even just like shipping costs to go out to shows and things like that. Really having that business background is coming in handy now
1: (laughs) well and i imagine then too you kind of mentioned like production work i mean is then they're kind of like work that you're very you know specifically kind of like stylized in terms of like some of the the vessel forms the mugs and and things that you're kind of especially kind of thinking is really you know sellable because again when we look at the you know the vessel page that you have you know you have all sorts of exploration in terms of various textures and you know these wonderful kind of pastel colors and terracotta colors and I don't know. I'd imagine then there's a, there's a part of it that's, you know, production, but then, you know, we, we talked a, a bit about that installation side of, so I'm curious about this side, you know?
0: Yeah, I think too. Well, so right now the objects that I really like to make are either mugs or like these cut out fruit baskets and, and both of those items I can like explore kind of textures and patterns. And I try to focus on like patterns that are kind of found in the kitchen and. One thing that like living in Gatlinburg in this area, there's lots of antique stores and I've been looking at a lot of like vintage glass. So kind of those patterns have been working their way uh, back into my work a little bit more right now. Mm-hmm. The The colors kind of they always kind of come back in my mind to like Tupperware colors. <laughs> and really kind of having like a soft plasticky looking surface is important to me for some reason, even though when I try to explain it sometimes to other ceramics people, they look at me like I have like three heads. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> Sure. Well, and so you were talking earlier about this exhibition that's, that's coming together, you know, as you kind of exit Arrow Mount. So tell us a little bit about that and, you know, maybe give us some details regarding it.
0: Yeah, I have a couple kind of uh, larger installations. I have one of a kitchen counter that's really kind of born of my living situation here. Kind of, we all five of the resident artists we live in a house together. So, um, thinking about like objects and you know space in the kitchen has led me to making lots of these kitchen-themed objects. Uh, even I have another piece that's a kitchen cabinet. So just kind of thinking like when you share. All of the kitchenware, kind of what kitchenware do I want to have around me, or, um, you know, I don't put out because I don't want everyone using it, mm-hmm. like those sorts of things. Uh, I also have a few kind of still life pieces that are exploring ceramics with um, like fabric com- components and cast paper objects and a little bit of like wire mixed in with the ceramic pieces. Ah, uh, so there's also some kind of material exploration going on in this body of work.
1: What else do you have on the horizon? I would imagine you've been, you know, kind of caught up in that that mode of making. But then I'm hopeful that you've got all sorts of good things coming up as well. Any any big plans?
0: I'm still kind of making work for other commitments while I'm here. I have a Barry bowl show with a few other artists opening in Atlanta at Signature Gallery. I think in mid May. And then this summer, I'll be moving to Maine uh, to go to Watershed's uh, Center for the Ceramic Arts uh, as their Salad Days artist, which is like a short term residency where I make 600 plates for their fundraising event, summer of 2020. So that'll be an experience. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited.
1: Have you, have you made that many, like I would imagine then, are they, are they all supposed to be uniform or, or kind of based on the same design or are they kind of like then meant to have variables or?
0: Yeah, pretty much based on the same design. I think there might be some like color or pattern decisions I can tweak as I go. I've never made 600 of any one thing. I'm sure I've made over 600 things though. So I, <laughs> I don't know, but it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, there's definitely got to be like a before and after, you know, Instagram, you know, picture of the first and last one, you know, I'd imagine there's got to be a huge, subtle kind of variation. I don't know. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. It might also just maybe be before and after pictures of my hands. <laughs> <laughs> making that many pinch pots sure
1: sure well very cool very cool is there anything else up on the horizon that you want want to kind of share or
0: i also in the atlanta area i have working a show up right now that's a clay review five it's at the abernathy art center kind of wrapping things up before i go to maine and then hopefully you know can start scheduling again because i I'm not sure where I'll be after Maine still.
1: What's an exciting spot to be, you know, because there's always, there's always these opportunities that kind of arise and then, you know, you can go check them out, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And so where can people find your work? You know, your website, your Instagram page and all that good stuff?
0: Yeah, I, I, my Instagram is my name with no spaces, just Carrie Woolsey. I've tried to keep like an active Etsy shop for my functional work and I'm pretty pretty active social media poster. I would say that's probably the best place to find out what's currently going on.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for, you know, applying to the studio break competition. Again, it's so great to talk to you about your work and, you know, hear a bit of your story and, you know, it sounds like you got a lot of exciting things going on. So, uh, so again, thanks so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, David. This has been fun.
1: Thanks once again to Carrie for joining me. Check out our website, CarrieWolsey.com. And of course, if you're in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, be sure and check out our exhibition currently on view at the Aramont School of Arts and Crafts through May 4th with five other artists in residence. Again, looks like very exciting work, so be sure and check it out. And of course, go back to... Carrie's Instagram page and stay up to date with all the current goings on. She's got that residency coming up and plenty of exciting shows to check out. So go and see it and enjoy it. Just another reminder that we're currently accepting Applications from Students for our 2019 Studio Break Student Competition. So if you're currently enrolled in an undergraduate or graduate program, you should apply. Again, that's open across mediums, so you could be ceramics or sculpture, painting and drawing, or time-based media like video or animation, whatever you can apply. Go to studiobreak.com, look under the student competition page, and you'll see it's really simple. You submit a link to your website or 10 images in a PDF with an artist statement. Send that all in after submitting a small fee, and you are done. Our juror this year is Erica B. Hess, who's a fantastic artist and host of the I Like Your Work podcast. She'll be selecting three graduate and undergraduate artists to be featured on studio break with their own online gallery and a lengthy interview describing their experiences their background and their studio practice so if you would like to be featured please apply again the deadline is may 15th and of course if you know any studio mates or students tell them to apply we always want to have a big draw and again it's totally open to medium so be sure and apply If you enjoy the podcast, and a number of people have been doing that, be sure and chime in on our social media. You can find us on Facebook, so like our page there. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and of course on Instagram, at Studio underscore Break. And you'll also note real quick that there's a highlight there with the information about the student competition, so it's a great place to stay up to date. And of course, we're getting plenty of new followers, new listeners. Always good to hear your opinions and your thoughts about guests and artists, so be sure and chime in. I do want to thank Skylar Mail. He provides the music to Studio Break and you can check out his artwork at SkylerMail.net. If you'd like to see some of my paintings, please visit DavidLinaway.com and of course, you can see plenty of paintings up there. I was recently featured on Otcast, and I Like Your Work podcast, so you can hear me talk a bit more about my artwork there. And I think I have that linked in my bio on my Instagram page. And of course, if you want to follow me, you can find me on Facebook. But again, Instagram is great, at David Linaway. And with those announcements out of the way, I want to thank you once again for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll talk to you real soon.